By the way, is that your new webcam pro? I, I'm really going for the obese look instead of the morbidly obese, and I think that this camera really shows that bed, that, that bedside for me, so. <laughs> Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series. Myself, Mike Procopio, coming in from uh, Dallas, Texas. What's going on? It was one of the worst Texas accents I've ever seen in my life. I'll do an Australian one for us then. Count me with an Australian one then, smartass. I I don't even do American. (laughs) They think I'm from fucking Mongolia when I speak, so don't worry about me. (laughs) So we're good. Yeah. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. That's that's the standard. Oh, by the way, yeah, let let me get this out of the way. I know we're on a time. Again, again. Time constraint. I fucked up last. I screwed up last week. Um, I actually thought Seti Osman was still on Cleveland, and I forgot. I was watching uh, Victor the other day, and first two seconds of the game, I see Osman coming off a pick and roll. I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck! I fucked that one up." So uh, I do have to two. apologize for. I've got one too. Then, so Joel Embiid, uh, not France, pro uh, Cameroon, I believe. That's where we, we screwed that up. But it was the same point. The same point is still relevant yeah. that you should – Without question. You, you shouldn't get drafted to pl- – essentially drafted to play for your national team. But a uh, few people noted that. It was our same point. But, yes, France, his family lives there now. He's French-speaking. Didn't spend much time there. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Cameroon. And I believe Siakam, I think, is the other one. I think that is from Cameroon. So they could actually have a half-decent team. Um you know, I don't know about the rest of their athletes they got there. But, uh, yeah, that's a mistake from from the pod for everybody – Pro one, me mm-hmm. two. So don't break our nuts too much. We do make mistakes. It is a medium budget production now, pro not low. It's medium now, and we'll eventually get to a high budget production. I hope one and day. And also, let, let's not try to show me as little. Try to show me as little as possible. I've gotten eighty-eight messages about how big my fucking head is. They think I'm terminally ill. I've had about eighty. I'm like, dude, I've been an ugly motherfucker since I've been out of the womb. Like, you know. So if you wanna, you know, if you wanna just go to you all the time, I'm cool with that. But you know, um, people are ugly shaming you, bro. They can't do that in 2023. Can't, I mean, but but I but unlike 98 percent of the other weak motherfuckers on this planet, I could take it. I know I'm an <laughs> ugly, ugly motherfucker. And I admit it. <laughs> I, I embrace it. I I embrace being a fat ugly fuck. But what are you gonna do? Gotta get on with it. All right, here we go. NBA news: load management. Pro, this is uh, interesting. Load management is no longer supported by scientific evidence, according to a top NBA official, which I believe was Joe Dumas. Uh, they, they, they say that they have uh, conducted studies and haven't really noticed a big difference when guys rest. Uh, Adam Silver has said, look, it's not conclusive, but we're seeing the same kind of data. This is interesting because uh, we both believe it's gone too far. The pendulum has gone too far towards load management. I think we can both agree on that, and it has. You know, when you got random, random nights that are just circled on the calendar, I think you should still have some input from the players that if they feel like they can go, they go. But I think this is the other end of the pendulum. Like you can't tell me that risk is not limited if you don't play guys on 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 games. That's the big thing. Is it is it going to help their recovery as much and all that kind of stuff? Because they technically, if you're going to rest a guy tomorrow, they still want conditioning done for that guy. You're still going to be in the weight room. It's not like it's a for fans out there that don't know. If if I'm being told, okay, Bogut, you're not playing Friday, I'm still doing stuff on that Friday. I'm still with the team. I'm still at shoot around. I'm still training. I'm still lifting weights. I'm still getting my rehab. But it does. I think it does lower your risk because you've got a less chance of a high impact injury or an ankle turn or a knee. So if you are resting guys, I think there is lower risk because if you play 82 games, you've got a higher risk of landing on a foot. You've got a higher risk of falling on your on your butt or your back or this or that. So I don't take the NBA side 
as far as there's no real evidence, but I also, I don't like the full pendulum of we're just going to pick random rest nights. So I think it, I think it's slowly starting to become where it's going to be meet in the middle where every now and then you can get away with it. But it was interesting to see Joe Dumas and even Adam Silver go that gung ho on there's no scientific evidence. Yeah. I mean, man, imagine going one end to the other. Like they yeah. were like radically with load management, all this study data, things like this. You have to rest. And, and now to go back on this, and I think it's really interesting that they're doing this new rule about sitting, not sitting players. And now you're going to come out with a study saying that supporting that, yeah, you need to play more and not load manage. I'll be honest with you. If you're going to really make a big push for load management, Bogues, I think there's a big problem with players coming into the league that play way too much from like 13 to 18. I, I don't think that once you're a professional athlete, you have all this coaching and, and science and um, all, all these assets to sort of prolong your career. I think that players are coming in a little bit broken from playing way too much. You know, you know. remember 20, 30 years ago, these guys were playing 38 AU games a year, tops, and then they'll play 25 at their high school, and that's it. They'll work out a little bit. Now they, they've got trainers that they work with 90 times a week. Then you've got 120 AAU games. 120? You your high school – Oh, Bokes, they play about a hundred games a summer. Like in on top of high in a weekend, games. they'll a typical AAU game. Yeah, like AAU season, they'll play about a hundred wow. games. And then they'll thirty to forty to high school, games. right? Yeah, they'll play about thirty high school, thirty Jeez. like some states have twenty, some have thirty-five. Now, you know, it, it's but like these AAU games, Bogues, like the high school games you play like twice a week, right? And but the AAU stuff, you play like six or seven games in a weekend and if you advance you might play even more and you play every weekend i i'm telling you i think that you need to be able to have these kids play every other weekend and put less stress in their joints and and, and educate them about taking care of their bodies i think that i think load management in the nba doesn't make any sense because they're already top line athletes they're already they've got the the best people working with them you know, to monitor all this stuff and they got the best of the best working with them. I think you just mandate the 14 to 18, to be honest with you. I think we have to sort of rev those guys up, but you know, you can't be, pl- and I think that's a big problem, both coming in, like these players before they never did that. And they, like, there was a couple of uh, great articles on ESPN the last couple of years about uh, how these kids are playing way more and their joints and things are getting damaged as an early age. You know, and now it sort of prolongs them to injure to, to more injury. Yeah, because they're coming in broken, right? With, they're coming in broken. Yeah, from, yeah, they're coming in with yeah, issues. Rather and, than, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and that's the AAU thing's a whole separate conversation because there's so much money involved yeah. in those tournaments, correct? For sure. Yeah, I'm. I mean, used to be bogus. Like I, I started with it when I was 18, and it was great because it wasn't that much. A lot of these tournaments you play with one court, two courts. Now you got these mega 10, 12, 14 court facilities. And like these guys that were running AU tournaments back in the day, they might make 10 grand in a weekend. These guys on an average on these big mega tournaments, they're coming out of there with about 300 grand with all the stuff they charge you, teams, Mm. uh, fees, uh, films for the kids. They, you sell, like they sell you the games now. Like to, you yeah, know, no wonder it's on every weekend. Like <laughs> no wonder it's on every more. weekend. Yeah, Multi millionaires now. These guys running these events. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, but it's anyway, crazy. Um, it's crazy that that you just go from one end to the other. Bogues with the yeah. load management thing. But 
It is what it is. I think it's needed every now and then, but you get out of the conversation with the player. I think the, the pendulum of we're just picking a random night and resting you, they need to have a discussion with the players and have an open dialogue with it. And we're seeing the Clippers push back this year that they kind of come in and not do that. And, and they need to not do that. Because they're saying. I, yeah, they're saying. They're but, saying they, they're going to do it. But they need to not do it, bro. Like we've spoken about this for so yeah. many years that they just never seem like they're in a good rhythm together. They never seem like they're flowing nicely. It always seems like if Kawhi or PG have an individual performance, they got a chance to win. It's never like Golden State or even Sacramento's last run where everything's clicking, the ball's moving, roles are defined because they, they don't play enough games together to know this is my role because you've got role players that are the man for the games that Kawhi and PG aren't in. So then all of a sudden you've got guys that are getting 20 shots, then, hey, big Kawhi comes back and PG, the big dogs now, you're getting five, figure out your role. That's hard. It's hard to do on the fly, and I think so that's why they've been bad. Reminds me of the G League bogues where guys would be playing with, you know, they'll play it as a group for a while, and then the NBA team will send you <laughs> yeah. down two or three players, <laughs> yeah. and now you go from playing 38 minutes a night or 36 minutes to like four minutes and it's just it's weird it's a what the clippers need to figure that out because they've underachieved the last couple of years obviously because of load management so hopefully they play a lot more those guys are good they're talented they're fun to watch they've got good role players around them too so you know hopefully they ho hopefully this whole you can't really sit guys that much anymore really i think it, it's more for the fans than anything else so i i just hope that you know i hope they figure it out Look, I think everybody, we talked about this before. Uh, I don't want to sort of go overboard on the point, but I think that everybody wants everyone healthy and playing their best basketball coming in April. You know, and that's the thing. That's the, hey, how do we get to April? But I'll tell you what, I think if you just monitor it, you play these guys, you rest them, maybe you practice a little less and, you know, you still rev them up for games and things. But, you know, and these teams don't practice that much anyway. I think you just have to have a good formula so everybody's sort of clicking come April. So that's that's the main goal in, in, in yeah, mind. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's going to be a balancing, and um, every now and then you'll have to rest guys. It doesn't it? Does you know? It may, traditionally, before this whole load load management uh, stuff jumped on steroids, it was generally the last three or three weeks of a season. You you do you do that yeah. anyway. It just even in the, the '90s and the 2000s, if you already solidified your seed or knew where you were in the in the in your conference, or we're going to be a one or a two or a three, we can't move up or down. Usually, the last two weeks, three weeks, maybe if you're a really good team, you know you you play 50 percent, 40 percent of your games, and usually coaches would like you to play a full game leading into the playoffs, so they'd rest you. You got say you got eight games left, they'd rest you. You know, five out of those eight, and in the last two, they'd try to ramp you back up just so you're in rhythm. So. Maybe it goes back towards that, but I think that's fair enough. All right, uh, the Celtics hire Van Gundy. Uh, good hiring, in in my opinion, yes. I think that, you know, we I spoke about it last week, that they are a little raw with their head coach. You know, that's that's the elephant in the room, the Boston Celtics. He's he's, he's, he's second year. Uh, he made Doka leaving. Not really a guy that's been in the NBA that long prior to that, all that kind of stuff. So found himself, you know, in a debacle of a situation and got the head coaching spot. Is a is a pretty good coach from what I hear, but still raw. And I think bringing in a guy like Van Gundy, who has, you know, had the clipboard, he's been in the commentary booth, he's been around basketball his whole life. I don't think it's the worst decision, and I think um, for, for Boston, I think it's a a really really good thing. And then you obviously got Stevens there. You have got a lot of good basketball minds to help mold uh, Joe Mazzulla. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy is all about coaching. Uh, he, he's got a coaching family. He's been doing it forever. Um, he's been in the booth. He hasn't really been 
coaching NBA players the last decade or so, obviously been on TV and, and doing those big games there. But I think it's always good to have somebody that you could rely on. Their assistants are young, energetic and, and things, but you know, I know they hired Sam Cassell, but they need a guy like that that you could just sort of bounce things off of. It's always great to have mentors that 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 have been there, that's been the highest level, the very coaching educated. It's a bit like it's just like anything else that he's been through everything that you're going through. He's already been through 28 times and he's dealt with and he can give you good feedback. I think anytime you have a guy that's that smart around your organization, you could just sort of bounce things off of. Uh, from what I read, he's not going to be on the bench or anything like that. He's just, he could be Beyond in meetings and, uh, yeah. and consult. Yeah. So I think it's always good to have that. And it's not like you're going to have him on the bench where it might be a distraction for you if you didn't really obviously – I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume that Missoula wasn't behind the hiring. So it's good to have him as an advisor where you could, you could, you know, bounce things off of anytime you want rather than have this guy say, well, I didn't hire him now. Is he going to try to get my job if I struggle? You know, are they going to make a move? You yeah. never know, but it's great to have a resource like that. That and, and Jeff is always pro coach. He's always you listen to his telecast. Besides going at the referees and everything about the NBA, which I like, um, he is always pro coach and trying to promote coaches. Trying to, you know, trying to just he's always have coaches backs. He's you know, he's son of a coach. His dad was a longtime junior college coach in New York. So I think it's great. I, th- I think it's always good to have. And like you said, Joe Joe hasn't been through a lot of this stuff yet. He's been through it as an assistant. He's never really ran a team since you know until last year. And I think it's always good. I, I think it takes two or three years to really you know I think to adjust unless you got this great team, which he does have. But I think it, it takes some time, and you're gonna make mistakes and. I think it's really good to have someone like that that you could always sort of go yeah, to. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's a good hiring, and I think just having more basketball brains to help him, the better. And and he'll, like you said, he's going to have his up and down, still figuring this thing out. Hasn't been NBA lifer, hasn't been around in any capacity in the front office, so he's going to have to um, learn on the fly as he is. And that, but that is the one part that they needed to address, and they have addressed it. All right, last two items of news are. Our friends in Charlotte Pro, uh, Kai Jones. This should have been a fact or fake news last week, though, by the way, Pro. We should have put this one in. <laughs> it's a pretty obvious one. Yeah. He has been waived. Yeah. Um, all the shenanigans, all the issues of socials, you know, telling people that he's a Hall of Famer and he's better than Hall of Famers. Didn't go down too well. Charlotte were just like, you know what, we're just going to move on. Uh, do you see him back in the NBA? Will he have to – I see a route potentially cleaning himself up getting off whatever he's on, getting some maybe some mental help, um, seeing a psych, all that kind of stuff, maybe going through the G League again. But I don't, I don't see him back in the NBA this season, bro. Let me rub my crystal ball, Bogues. <laughs> I see Rosetta Stone. I see playing in Mongolia. I see <laughs> not being in the NBA anytime soon, Bogues. I, I really don't see it. I see either going to the D League yeah, G League and trying to figure it out there. Um, I don't think he's good enough to deal with all this stuff, you know, that you have to deal with. And I, I think that it's going to be tough. I could probably see him more in the G League than anything else. But if I'm an NBA team, you know, I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not really excited about having that guy on my roster. It's one thing if, like, you know, a really good player sort of does that. 
and you're like, all right, we're going to take a flyer on risk him, right? Risk reward. We always talk but, about it. Risk reward, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not good enough to be doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it's J.R. Smith or something, you take a chance on him. If you're that guy who's okay as a player, but now you got to deal with all this stuff. You know, he's a term, a term that I learned early in my NBA career. He's radioactive. You know, and that's what he is. He's radioactive. I just, I think you, you, you sort of stay away. He needs a lot of help. You could, you could see that. You know, he needs someone that, you know, can mentor the kid. And right now, it's like your credit. Like this stuff's like your credit rating. You know, when you have your reputation. And right now, you do, you're just developing your reputation of being a pro, being good, and developing your skills, developing yourself off the court, and. If people see that, they're like running for the hills. Like I said, if you're a really good player, it's one thing. But if you're an average player and you're dealing with this and you, you don't want this headache, I, I don't really see him. So I don't even know. see him going overseas, bro. Like the, I know we make the joke about no. the whole year, but can you imagine his headspace being in a country where he doesn't speak the language and has to adjust to cultures? So I think we can cross that one out as well. No. I think G League is the only hope. Yeah. And funnily enough, I played, there's, there's yeah. a lot of young guys that do have a similar mentality to him, albeit they don't put it on a live stream on Instagram. But I've played with a few guys and we always talk about there's confidence and there's delusion, right? And there's a lot of young kids that truly believe. I played with a guy in Golden State, I won't name him, but I was sitting on the bench one time with him early on in my tenure in Golden State before before the rise when I first got mm -hmm. there. And he was a young, young name that was really good in high school, hadn't played a lot in the NBA and we're playing. Mm -hmm. We're playing. Miami. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're playing. We're playing the Miami Heat, and mm -hmm. I was. I, I got traded, and I, I was still injured at the time. And I'm sitting next to him on the bench, and he's like, "Man, if if I just got the minutes that guy got, I could put up his numbers." He pointed at LeBron, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, did you, did you just point at LeBron, or did you point at like Joel Anthony? Like, who'd you who, who'd you point at?" <laughs> and um, he's like, no, LeBron, like I could put up, I could easily, I could average a triple-double in this league if I just got the same minutes. I just can't get the opportunity. I was like, listen, man, like it's good to be confident, but you're, you're crazy, man. Like I said, a smaller goal for you would be a double-double, <laughs> which is very hard to do in this league. Put the triple-double aside. But the, my point is there's a lot of young kids that come through high school, AAU, college, where they're the man, they're pumped up, they're this, and then all of a sudden there's a bit of adversity. You don't get minutes. You're playing only – 10, if that, and they really truly believe if I get the minutes, I could be Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe. And it's, you feel bad because, and you can't argue with, with, with guys like that. I, you know, try to have conversation and it's like, oh, you, I got told I was a hater by the kid, you know, cause I was like, bro, like chill out on that. And he's like, no, you're just a hater, man. I'm like, no, I'm just being realistic. If you're setting yourself a goal of a triple double, you're getting, you're, I'll bet the house you're going to fail on that. Cause you're, you're not even in the rotation yet, you know? And that's the sad reality of some of these poor kids that have, bad mentors, family, people that are pumping them up so much they can't see. Just do some small things and you'll, you'll, you'll play a role in the NBA. I mean, Bogues, it's just, first of all, I bet the NBA hires him to speak to NBA teams about social media one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> to be honest, I could see that. They usually go that way when it comes to sort of- No, it'll be in like 20 years. Career. It'll be like 20 years. Yeah. Like, bro, but, so Pro's but point is there's, it, a, there's it, a guy with a union. There's a guy, <laughs> hold on, Pro's point is oh, there's without a guy question. with- there's a guy without, without that question. was at the NBA union that was a guest speaker that used to come talk to us about drugs. <laughs> that was a like a blatant, a heavy like, drug addict, and all he talks about was like snorting lines before games when he plays. Yeah, <laughs> he's given us they advice always, twenty they years always, later. 
they'll always send the guy that blew all his money to talk about financial management. They'll talk about the biggest <laughs> drunk. They will talk about you know how you should really take yourself serious. You know how how you, you got to stay away from alcohol. They'll always take the the biggest like uncoachable guy. And they're talking about being a professional one-on-one. I'm like, come on, man. It's, it's hypocrisy one-on-one, right? Yeah. But it, the biggest problem, Bogues, coming in this league is teaching players how to be professional. Because th- these these rosters are getting younger and younger. The coaches are getting younger and younger. Nobody, Everybody wants to put gloves on and not really talk to these guys and be honest about them. They'll give you all the sound bites that that you hear on TV. You hear Doris Burke and you know all these other people talking about you know culture and all this stuff. But nobody teaches these guys and, and really like. And I'm not talking about the great players. I'm not talking about the guys drafted in the first five or six picks. I'm talking about the rest of the players that are drafted, the undrafted players, like really how to be a professional and teaching them about routine and the importance of being a pro, you know, getting your work in, being prepared, you know, being coachable, being able to like, you know, talk to people in the organization and and, and be outgoing like that. And then we'll worry about like the battle of, you know, getting minutes, you know, grinding it out, getting your opportunity. Because there's a lot of players that, you know, will go to like Oklahoma City and they'll have four players at their position and they're going to die on the vine just because they're not going to get minutes. So there's going to be situations like that. But, you know, because getting minutes in, in the NBA on a consistent basis outside of summer league, outside of preseason is really tough on a regular basis. So you really need and players, because they've been jerked off since they're 10 years old about how great they are, nobody ever wants to tell them the truth, and that's all they've been hearing. And then they come to you, they're not playing, they're not getting plays called to them, the coach doesn't even know their name, and you're trying to teach them, say, hey, look, dude, you got to you gotta be here early, you got to you know, you gotta see your physio, you got to get a 30-minute lift in with your strength coach, then you got to go on the court, get your shots up, then you got to find an assistant coach to watch film on either you or an opponent or somebody you want to study and then you practice and then you get your shots up and then you know you know what i'm saying like that's the biggest problem and why players don't make it in the league and it's so they don't understand how quickly you're going to get chewed up and spit out because there's 60 more players drafted there's going to be four or five players coming from international outside of the draft that plays in FIBA or whatever and they bring over and these jobs just keep on rotating out and if you don't really get into the system early and really know what you're doing and have somebody teach you, it's hard. But like I said, nobody wants to be a leader these days. Coaches don't say anything to you. If they make it, they want to take all the credit. If you don't make it, they don't know your name and they don't care. And it's just it just keeps recycling. So hopefully some of these players could, you know, smarten the fuck up with this stuff. Yep. Uh, final one, we don't have to get into it too deeply, but uh, Miles Bridges nope. again has – surfaced breaking his i guess restraining order or whatever whatever was he's on probation uh for what i understand cannot make direct contact with his his ex baby mama or ex-girlfriend um apparently threw <laughs> billiard balls at the vehicle with the uh the ex and the child in it so we always talk about look he messed up big time and t- took his punishment and despicable what he did the first time. We both agree with that. I'm always a guy that's like, look, you made your mistake. 
you know, whether it's a year, two years, three years, however long your suspension is, once you're back and you've paid your penalty, I'm, I'm about second chances. As hard as it is for someone like that and what he did to give a second chance, people deserve a second chance. Uh, but when you then go follow that up again, <laughs> I'm done. Like I, I, I literally have no respect or time for someone that, and that was a drastic mistake. Don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning anything that, that but I'm, my point is that he served his penalty. He's taking his medicine. You come back and do it again. You're like, I, I got, I can't have any iota of, of, of third, fourth, fifth chance for you. Um, especially when it comes to that stuff, it's, it's horrendous. And, you know, he's a hundred million dollar player, you know, over his career could earn, $150, $200 million up in Smoke Pro. Folks, I'm not going to go too far into it. I'm just going to say it's just, you know, I, I don't, there's certain things I do believe you should get second chances on. But when, and now if, if, if we're reading this right and he did this after the fact, after the suspension, after everything went through and then he got, you know, he got back in the NBA and he did this, um, I would suspend him long term or disband him. I, I think that, you got to set a precedent in this league that, you know, it, it's it's a special thing to be a professional basketball player, and when you're putting women at, at, in harm's way, you're putting a child in harm's way, you're throwing billiard balls from a distance at the car. It just, what are we doing? You know, you just don't care. Like you think you're going to get a million chances. I, I think he's very, I, I think he's a limited player. In the first place, I thought he was a decent player. He's okay. He plays hard and all that. But we're not even talking about basketball anymore, Bogues. We're talking about, look, if you do – and putting your hands on a female, I, I say automatically banished from the league. You know, I think you have to do something else, to be honest. I, I don't think – look, if you if you caught with a DWI or DUI, you, you, you've done drugs one time, um, something like that, you, you, you get – there's an issue, yeah – there are a lot of instances where I say, all right, fine, I'm suspend him, second chance. But this, I think there's no there's no place in the NBA for him um, if you're going to be doing this. Pro and is, uh, the official statement via ESPN, allegation of violating a protection order, misdemeanor child abuse, and injury to personal property. So it sounds like the story about you know, throwing billion yeah. balls at a car and whatnot. But, Let's uh, go forward. I, just I'm, out of stupidity. I'm losing my appetite fucking listening to this shit, you know, about this. And that's <laughs> all right. That's let's, really get our, let's get into our Western Conference previews. I'll run through my 15 pro. I've got a this was a hard one. This was a harder one in the East, I think. Uh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of unknowns in the West, uh, especially with injuries and roster makeup and whatnot. But I'm gonna go with my 15. Phoenix one, uh, Denver two, Clippers three, Memphis four, Golden State five, Sac six. I'm going to put Dallas at seven, which is a bit controversial. Eight, New Orleans. Nine, OKC. Ten, Lakers. Five, I have missing out. Uh, Minnesota, 11. Houston, 12. Spurs, 13. Utah, 14. Portland, 15. What do you got? Wow. That's uh, that's not bad, folks. I got Phoenix, one. Denver, two. Clippers, three. Wow. Sac, four. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, five. Golden State, six. Lakers, seven. Memphis, eight. Minnesota nine, Dallas ten, New Orleans eleven, and then I got Utah, Portland, Houston, San Antonio. OKC okay, at six. Yeah, I think they're going to wow. be really good. Bugs. That's a big one. No, okay. actually five. They're they're five. five. Actually, I wow, that's a I have four, forty-six wins. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, let's start with Phoenix. Arguably the best big three in the league, if healthy, in my opinion. Um, I like Beal. You know, he's older, but the fact that 
He plays both ends. He has been injury prone, but I think that with his previous team, he had so much, he had, he had carried so much of a load at both ends. I think on this team, he can kind of take, not nights off, but he can be that third wheel offensively, not too much pressure, really concentrate on guarding. And I hope that then reflects positively to, towards injuries where he can stay on the floor. Um, so I think he should stay healthy based on that. I love Grayson Allen as an acquisition for them with that roster. I just, I, I think that was an awesome, awesome pickup in that, in that trade three and D guy doesn't need the ball. You know, there's talks about him being dirty, but he's a, he's a fighter. He's a grinder. He's going to do what he can to try and win games. And they need that in that group. They have a lot of guys that kind of are really good offensively. Uh, Beal's obviously good at the defensive end, but the, you know, Booker's not great defensively. KD has his moments because of his length, but he does, you know, he's not always fully engaged at that end. But he he's a huge pickup. Uh, Nurkic is, is is the outlier, I think. I think how he plays, he's gotten a lot better um, protecting the paint than he once was. A big body can throw around, so I like that. I still have Damian Lee there. Got Drew Eubanks they picked up. Um, Watanabe, I think he's a, a decent pickup for them. So I think it's a good mix, a good mix. Uh, Eric Gordon is there as well, I believe. So had had a really good preseason game a couple of nights ago. So I think they have a really good seven or eight and obviously with a big three, uh, Josh Okogie will, will crack the rotation at times as well uh, for his defense. So I, I like it. I like their roster. If they stay healthy, I think they're the best big three in the league and they are my number one. Yeah, Bogues, I, I mean, definitely for sure. I, I, I agree with most of the things you just said. I mean, with those big three and, and I think that Okogie will probably start because they need a defender in there. Um, and then, you know, if, What's up? Over Allen? Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think Okoji will start for his defense versus and bring Allen off the bench to, to, to be a shooter and scorer. But okay. then again, I could be wrong on that. But I just think they need some defense, and Okoji's played some big minutes, and he doesn't mm-hmm. need the ball in his hands. I think it's good, but whatever. I mean, however they're going to play it, they, they're both guys are going to get you know really good minutes. But I think that, um, obviously, their offense, their experience, um, their talent, they did a great job with – you know, the eight and trade getting more players to back up to sort of, you know, to expand their rotation. I think that that was the biggest problem. You know, they didn't have Allen, you know, some of the moves they made and, and they just didn't have that. So now they've got, you know, Allen, Gordon, Watanabe, Damian Lee, you know, um, you know, they get some guys and the Sarah Little could play a few minutes, Ish Wayne Wright could play a few minutes. So like they're a little bit they're all a lot deeper since the trade I mean, they spread you out. They could, you know, they could obviously they could shoot the ball. They could straight line drive you. Um, Nurkic is going to be big. He's got to stay healthy for them because now you go into, you know, you go into that second unit big. Then you got, you know, Drew Eubanks, and I'm not a huge Eubanks fan. So I think that, you know, if they could just stay healthy like everybody else, they get plenty of shooting and scoring, um, not only in the first unit but second unit. And I think they've got a lot of experience. Um, you know, they've got a good coach in Frank Vogel. And I think that, you know, I, I think if they could just keep things going the way it is, they, they should be the number one seed. Yeah, I agree. And Watanabe was, I think, top five in the league in three-point field goal percentage last season. Damian Lee already a good shooter. So a lot of good shooting around the big three. So I think they're clear favorites, number one. Number two, we both had Denver. Um Championship hangover, I think a little bit. They 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 will have a bit of a hangover, but I think what what uh, 
the positive of the championship hangover is their home court. Like Denver's, especially during the course of a regular season, teams flying in there on back-to-backs, the altitude really messes with you. And I think that's why they're such a good regular season team and we'll continue that. So I still have them up the top. I think the Bruce Brown loss is huge. I really do. I think he was really important for them last season, especially in different parts of the playoffs, the Lakers series or a few other games where he just, it felt like Denver real clunky and grindy and he would just come in and get on the rim um, make paint, you know, get paint touches, kicking out to shooters. So I, I thought he was really, really valuable for them. So I, I know they they wanted to try to keep him, but their caps in in disarray, and they they really can't do it. Uh, Reggie Jackson's obviously in the probably in the rotation now that Bruce Brown's out. He didn't really play when he was acquired late last season, but I think he might crack that rotation now. Obviously, KCP Porter Jr., Gordon, uh, Jamal Murray. Um, Jokic, of course, but uh, that, that's your rotation. But they're going to have to, they're going to need something from some of these younger guys. I mean, Braun's probably going to play a bigger role now and take some of those Bruce Brown minutes um, where he can, you know, get in the paint, slash downhill guy. And he probably had a pretty, you know, he had a good season last season, but I think they're going to expect more from him. And it's probably going to have to be another, another young guy that maybe you touch on that, that I don't, I don't really know much about that's going to have to rear his head in, in the rotation at some point during the season and, and help him share some, some of the load. Yeah, Bogues, I think that too, they're very much like Miami in, in, in what Miami did in the offseason. We talked about it last week where they, you know, because of their cap, they lost a couple of guys and now they didn't really replace them. They've got young guys that are unproven that have to step into those minutes. And I think the same thing happened with Denver. You know, obviously their front five of Murray, you know, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic is, on, you know, is unmatched. You know, I think they're a very good team with that. And they've got a lot of experience together and they've been through those wars. The problem that they're going to have to have is that second unit. Not only you, you know, not only when you lose, you know, Bruce Brown, but you also lose Jeff Green, which I think is a huge loss yeah. because he's that versatile forward that that's athletic, that can guard, that could straight line drive, you know, that's that just been through a million wars with different teams and, and been deep in the playoffs. Um, I think the guy that they're going to probably lean on a little bit that didn't really play last year is Peyton Watson. He's out of UCLA. He's a second-year kid, averaged three points and two rebounds a game, but he's athletic and versatile guard that I think has a lot of upside. The problem is now you, somebody's going to have to take up the slack of that scoring, that toughness, that, you know, the you know, look, Reggie Jackson could do a little bit of that. Justin Holiday could do a little bit of that. Braun and, and I think that Vladko Kankar, I'm not sure if Kankar got hurt in the FIBA. He may or may not have. And then DeAndre Jordan, obviously. But I think that the biggest issue gonna is going to be that second unit. And can you, you know, you don't have to be great, but you're going to have to spread the floor. You're going to have to guard. You're going to have to make open shots. And that's the thing. Holiday can shoot. Reggie Jackson can shoot. They both can st- spread you out. And, you know, and, and Jackson could, you know, score and, and be tough. But the problem is, can you replace Bruce Brown's toughness and ability to, you know, to get to the basket, guard and be tough? And then Jeff Green's versatility. And it's going to have to come from Peyton Watson. It's going to have to come from Braun Kicker. Like, it's going to have to come collectively. We know what the top five can go. And you know what? You know, I've been a little bit, I've been a little bit negative with Aaron Gordon in the past. And I think Gordon, has stepped his game up big time the last couple of years, especially playing with Jokic. His field goal percentage, Bogues, from when he left Orlando is at 46%. His field goal percentage playing with Jokic and Murray, 56%. Mm. And that's that's just his maturity. He's played, he's embraced that role of not really being a go-to guy and being that guy that has to be that fourth or fifth best player on the floor. 
you know, and can guard and can play hard and can cut and can do those things. And he's reaping the benefits big time from Jokic. And, you know, he's it played great for them, but it's going to be the first, second year. When he first got to Denver, it took him a little bit to figure that out. Like he was still yeah. standing in the corner waiting for the swing. or And then as 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 months went on, a friend of mine's a real big Denver fan. And even he was talking about, man, I don't know how this works. He's, and then he, you'd see he started to figure out, Oh, if I cut this guy's gonna find me. If I if I if I back up yeah. this, if if I'm not if I if I don't stand and I move, they're gonna find me. And and as the season wore on, you know, most guys are, are are so most guys in the NBA are so used to I'm gonna score my points by getting the ball in my hands and breaking someone down. He figured out like I don't right. even do that. You know, it's not as pretty and not as elegant at times, but you're getting layups and dunks yeah. and he was he was a menace in that playoff run. Like he was getting lob dunks and and crashing over boards and back cutting. So I I, th I agree. I wasn't high on that acquisition from Denver early on, but I think it really turned into something well, and that's because Gordon bought into a role and was happy to be that third, fourth, fifth fiddle at times, and he's really embraced it, really done a good job. Right, no doubt. All right, Clippers, uh, the next one for both of us, I believe we had, we had it three. Now, I hope we're not getting pump fake pro. I'm basing my pick on the load management, hopefully somewhat – gone <laughs> or at yeah. least tweaked so you know right. hopefully if the Clippers pump fake us and they load management they load manage like they did last season I would have them at three I'm doing it based on that mm. uh, so I think they'll surge based on, on on actually having guys out there and playing together I mean the starting five I've got four of them locked which is Westbrook PG Kawhi and Zubats who's the four you think it's Morris you think he fits in there at the four They've been. I've heard they've been trying to trade Morris. I like Batum? Morris. I think that. What's up? Who's uh, the, who's it the could forward? be Batum. No, wait a minute. I don't even have Batum on my list here. Um, it's probably going to be Morris. But hold on, let me see what ESPN has on their stuff. So they got Batum on there. Uh, um, as far as their depth chart, they've got Westbrook, George, Leonard, Batum, and Zubac. Starting. Now it could change, okay. but you know that's what they got. But yeah, I think they they're, they're going to be tough. And then you know the other thing is the Harden chatter. You know, uh, mm -hmm. what do they lose um, to get Harden? I don't think it'll be much. But bring him in. You know, do you start him straight away? Do you keep him as a six man? What does it do with Westbrook? Does Westbrook maybe go over in that trade? I, I don't know. But that's another outlier that'll fit in. I like their backup in Plumlee. I think he could start for a lot of teams in the NBA. He's he's a pretty good center backup to have. Um, can play a role. He's pretty good. You've got two seven-footers there. You can rotate in and out. So Norman Powell there. you got a gunner off the bench that can still come off the bench and give you 25-30 on a hot streak. Bones Highland, does he fit in? You know, he got traded there in that deal with Reggie Jackson last season at Denver. Was pouting, not playing in Denver. They got him out of there. Didn't play a whole lot uh, for the Clippers. He was up and down at times. Uh, played a little bit, then didn't, then did. He might probably solidify some time in the rotation now going through a full training camp. So they have a pretty deep, Roster, they have a Terrence Mann's the other one that we didn't mention, who's a, a young and up and coming player. So they have a pretty good mix of youth and veterans and all stars. It's got to keep them on the court and not be load managed, bro. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's a, that's the toughest thing when you're trying to evaluate when you're trying to evaluate where teams are going to fall, you know, in the East or the West, because like you got talent and everything, and look, a lot of these teams are going to rest a little bit, and they may not. They may not finish high in the standings, but they're going to be the healthy in the playoffs, and they're going to come alive, sort of like what Miami did last year. So it's tough. Um, with the Clippers, if you're just saying that, look, they're going to play and they're going to go forward with this thing, and I think they're going to have to. I think it, 
I think that there's a lot of people's jobs on the line with this roster doing well, or they're just going to shake things up. I think this is probably going to be the last year. If they underachieve again this year, it's probably going to be the last year that this team's together, um, in my opinion. But look, you know, you can't, you can't, can't doubt the talent of the starting five. You know, Westbrook, George Leonard, Batum, Zubac. Uh, their bench is really good, which, you know, tells me that, like, you don't really need to do the hardened trade unless you just want stars in your building. And I understand that, you know, in, in just trying to just have all these stars in your roster. But I think depth is important, especially when those guys could produce. Like, if you're going to have to give up Terrence Mann and Powell and, and a James Harden trade – just to bring Harden in. I like Powell. I like man. Those guys play hard. You know know what to expect from him. Um, You know, Powell could really score. He can be a a third option on a lot of teams or three and, you know, that third or fourth option. So it's great to have that guy off the bench with toughness and scoring. Um, Their second unit is going to have to be big because they will going to have, they will have to play at some point, you know, more. I think that, the backup power forward spot for Morris and Covington is going to be, you know, really competitive. You know, Plumlee's going to, you know, play a lot of minutes with, with him and Zubach, you know, back in, you know, one starter, one coming off the bench, obviously. And then George and Leonard. Look, there's, there's not a lot of better two-man combinations than George and Leonard, you know, even with the new sort of super teams formed. And I think that they're going to be as good as those two are, you know, the, the two are sort of, you know, filling up the stat sheet for them. So, I liked how the team's constructed. I don't think they have to make a move. You know, I I think Harden will obviously give them a lot of talent, you know, with star power. But I think having depth on guys you could that's been around and can really be tough and know the system and sort of you know what to expect from them, I think that it's big. But I like these guys at three. I mean, they could challenge for a championship if they're all healthy. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but I do – I do believe they can. They're gonna be, you know, they they can win a couple of rounds, get to a, a conference final, and then see what happens. But then again, we've been we've been pump faked a lot. You know, we got that Chandler Parsons pump fake. We we go for all the time. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That they should be top three, but yeah, who knows what happens and who knows where the Harden trade will take him. Number four. Uh, this is where we all we get into a disagreement, pro. Go ahead. Uh, we'll go with yours. No, no, yeah, no we'll go no, with yours. Of course, we will. We'll go with mine. Relax, relax. No, 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 but I'm just saying it's good It's good to get some disagreement. People people live for disagreements. It's all on the line. A bit of hostility. Uh, number four, I got Memphis. Um, the reason why is I, I don't think they they finished second last last year, right? Um, albeit with the with the issues with, with Morant, falling out of the lineup, suspensions, all that kind of stuff going on. They still finished second, and I think they – I don't think they got worse. I think that Marcus Smart is a perfect replacement for, for losing um, – Brooks, you know, bringing him in, and I think Smart's probably a better offensive player by a little bit, in my opinion, at least a better distributor. They have a pretty defensive-minded lineup. Uh, when you look at Morant, Smart, Bain, and uh, Jackson Jr., that's that's a pretty good grit and grind lineup, in my opinion. Who the five is, I don't know whether they go Adams at the five. Uh, at times, even when Adams was healthy, they still had him coming off the bench, so I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, they have a bit of shooting around with um, with Roddy and uh, who else do they have? Kennard's the other shooter they got on their roster who's pretty decent. They've got some younger guys. They brought in Derek Rose uh, who would uh, who would be probably going on his last legs but a pretty good bench punch uh, for him playing 10 to 15. you got Morant coming downhill at your game and then you got Rose. I mean, that's a pretty good pretty good one-two punch as far as starter off the bench. Uh, Lofton Jr. has played his way into a roster spot. Um 
Tillman's in there. I don't know much about the younger guys. I'll let you touch on that, pro. But I think they're still going to be pretty good. And I think they'll still have a good home court. They'll be grit and grind. They're not going to beat themselves. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they all fit in. But I think Smart was a great pickup for him, considering they lost Brooks. Yeah, I think he's an upgrade from Brooks for sure. You know, he, you may not be able to get the offense that Brooks could give you, but I think he's a lot more manageable. I, I think that he never really crosses that line from being a tough guy stopper to, you know, someone who's sort of distracting with some of the things, the bonehead things that Brooks would do on the floor that sort of get them in trouble. Um, I, I do like that move. Now, with Morant, how long is Morant out for Bogues? Is he out 20 games, 25? Was it less? I forgot what the suspension was. And that's that's now, that's a double-edged sword for them because he's going to miss a bunch of games through the suspension. But also, they play better without him. Record-wise, they play, you know, statistically, I think they do play better without him in the lineup. So that might actually be good, you know, him missing. Obviously, it's not... Um, I think they're a good team, but you know, is the hijinks going to stop from him? And that's the thing. And hopefully you would say yes, but we don't know. Now they did finish high last year. No doubt about it. But you know, look, he, you know, he's going to be out of the lineup for an extended period of time. And I, I forgot the games, Bo. Do you remember 25. how long? He yeah, was 25 games. 25 games. 25. So he got, he, it's a lot of games. He, he got it's a eight, lot of games. And he got eight last season when he, when he did the Instagram live video, came back and played, and then, and then I guess the off season was off season again that he did it or towards the end of the season, and then um, he got twenty five games for the start. I, I don't think that kills him. I think it it's going to help them. I, I thought they were really good without. Or they were really good without Morant last season. Uh, their record over the last two or three years without Morant has been pretty good. Not not something you see or you're accustomed to seeing with a a team with a super max guy missing time and the team doesn't fully dip. You know, usually teams can sustain it for a week or two. But he was yeah. out for a while and they sustained it. So I think they'll be okay. As long as they can be floating around 500 by the time he comes back, you're 12 and 13, 13 and 12, I think they'll be all right. I just think Bogues with the West, and, and as we go with these teams, I've never seen it in 30-plus years of being around basketball. I've never really seen it where it's been this close from like 3 to 10, where it's yeah, just you, know, you got a bunch of these teams – that are going to be within a game or two of each other. You know, a lot of these teams are going to rest at one point or another. So like a lot of these teams that are young and beating down your door, you know, they could, they, they could advance through, especially in the regular season. Um, I, I look, Memphis is a good team. No doubt about it. They're well coached. They got talent. Um, Jaron Jackson and, and Morant and Adams and smart and Bain, all those guys, they're good players. Um, it's just, are you lucky? Can you stay healthy? You know, Jackson's had some injury issues in the past. You know, can he stay healthy? You know, there's a lot of questions in my mind. Um, you know, can you get it done? And, and and we don't know. And losing Jones was big, you know, because he was young. Um, you know, he lost they lost him to Washington. So that that that'll be interesting with Rose. I'm a big Derek Rose fan. I think he's very good. You know, um, he's getting up there in age, so hopefully. You know, hopefully he could keep it together, especially in the elevated minutes he's going to have to play for Morant. So um, I think Morant's got to just stop trying to be Coolio and, you know, actually just put things together and, and stop with the nonsense because it's going to really derail the team. It's going to derail him individually. So hopefully they can move forward from it. They got a decent second unit with, you know, Conchar and Kennard and 
you know, Brandon Clark and those guys to, yeah, nothing, nothing great out of their young group after that. You know, they got Xavier Tillman. That's, that's a decent player. Average seven and five Aldama last year. Aldama wasn't bad for him. Was it Aldama? He wasn't bad for him last season What's either. Aldama, Aldama right? wasn't bad. Not yeah, nine was and okay. five. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Not bad. They've got Brandon, a good group. Brandon they're Clark. tough. Yeah. Yeah. They've got tough. They're tough. It just, it, it'll be interesting how they play without Morant. You know, if they could continue to sustain it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I just, I just think they're 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 not going to beat themselves. I think they're one of those teams, and I think teams that don't beat themselves usually do okay in the regular season. So, but they got to hold the fort down until Morant's back. Who'd you have at four? Um, I had hold on, Sac, I think I had at four. I had Sacramento. Sacramento. I'll get to them in a second. Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Golden State at five. I think that uh, they're they're kind of. You know, you mentioned the Clippers are the last gasp until they blow things up. I think they're, you know, they obviously have their stars, but they're they're in their last kind of gasp of of, of being at the top of the league. And we thought it was all over a couple of years ago. They re they re they bounced again. They've come back, and I like their acquisitions. Not not any huge names, but I think look, CP three should stay to their second unit and give them some professionalism. That's in that second unit. Uh, obviously, Steph and and, uh, and and Clay will be Steph and Clay. You throw Wiggins in there, Draymond. I, I think there's there's championship merit there. You're not gonna you're not gonna roll over them as as easily as you think you are. And I think they'll still be in the mix. They have got two guys that can go for forty on any, any given night. Even CP could potentially can have high scoring games. The big one is uh, Kaminga. Is 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 you know what is we know Steve Kerr went completely off him last season. Kaminga wouldn't buy in. I guess to what they were doing. I don't know to what capacity. I don't have detail on it, but it was clear that. There was a disconnect between the young guy and, and the old coach, and hopefully they've figured things out. And I know Steve's a guy that will will try to you know go to you in the off season and, and and try to you know fix those relationships. And I think that he'll his improvement is going to be huge to see how far they go if they can have him and CP come off a, off the bench and be very very effective together. I think that's pretty pretty important. I like the Corey Joseph pickup, but I, I I liked it until they got CP3. I mean, I just don't know how you how you now shake him into the lineup. Can play off the ball a little bit, but I think he's best positions from from the point in my opinion. Uh and that that's kind of it. Rudy Gay's the other one. I mean, he's 37 years old, but you know, you can give him a bit of that Jeff Green type thing, you know, mentality that 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 Denver had from him, a veteran leader that can play the 3-4s, molded more now into a 4 with the way the game's going athletic enough to still get in the paint and do some things. Um, they, they brought in Magruder as well, which was an interesting one because Clay got into it with him a couple of years ago and said that, you know, he's going to be out of the league soon. So they brought him in. I'm sure that'd be a, they'll have a bit of a laugh about that when they go out to eat together. Moses Moody obviously will, will, get, will crack the rotation with his shooting, but uh, yeah, I, I can't bet against them. I think they'll be in the mix and that's why I put them at, uh, at five pro. Yeah. They're a good team. I mean, without question, I think they're still going to, if not right off the bat by all-star break, I, I, I think right off the bat, to be honest, I think CP is going to be in the starting lineup. I think they're going to go with CP, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Green, okay. you know, bringing Looney off the bench. In, in my opinion, I, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I think that, you know, they're going to have a lot of matchup problems, you know, give teams a lot of, a lot of issues with that CP, you know, that Chris Paul, Steph Curry sort of combination and just being able to play make and be able to stretch the floor out and just find people. I think they're tough. Um, obviously, they're starting five. And then the second unit, I think, look, Kaminga, 
is going through growing pains, right? And, and when you're young and everyone telling you how good you are and you thinking that you could just take the league by storm, look, we, we've both been around players that have no business being in the NBA thinking that they're going to be all-stars in two years. I've worked out players that were $50,000 guaranteed deals in the summer saying that I'm going to sign a max contract in two years. You know, it's just, it's insane how players think. And then you figure things out. Look, you're in a championship organization, one of the best teams in the organizations in the history of the sport. And you, I think he's probably figuring out that, look, I can't die on this hill of being somebody who's tough to deal with. I have to, I have to sort of get along with people. I got to learn the system. I got to be able to earn their trust to be able to play. And then I'll build, build out this sort of career for myself. I think Andrew Wiggins sort of went through something. And now Andrew Wiggins is much more skilled and much more talented than Kaminga, you know, early on in his career. But I think Wiggins had to go through those growing pains, leaving Minnesota, and then going to Golden State and then figuring out how to truly be a pro and how to truly sort of be a winning player. And I think now, you know, he's 17 and five. His value's gone up tremendously since he got to Golden State. I think Kaminga's sort of got to get to that same track and be like, look, you know, he's made a lot of great, he's made a lot of great leaps. You know, if you watch him in the preseason, you know, this year and last year, it's completely different. And I think he could really help their team. That second unit is going to be interesting. You know, the way I have it would be Peyton Moody, Kaminga, Saric, Looney. You know, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm not. But, like, I think that it'll be interesting. You don't have a ton of offense with that. Like, Saric could stretch the floor. Looney gives you toughness and rebounding. You know, Gary Payton gives you defense. Moody gives you a little bit of offense. And I'll tell you what, they've got a really good young player they drafted. Bill Duffy represents them. Brandon uh, Pozemski. Um you know, really crafty guard, tough, you know, plays with a lot of uh, sort of a lot of confidence, could, you know, going through the lane, running hooks, tough. Um, I think he's a pretty good player. He's sort of like a a DiVincenzo type of guy, tough kid, you know, plays hard, can probably give them end of the rotation minutes. They're going to be good. They're experienced. Um, You know, I I think they could give you a lot of different lineups and a lot of different looks, but it'll be an interesting look. And, you know, dream on and, and all that stuff. So hopefully things could go well for them. But yeah, I agree with you. I think they're a top five team. And um, I think, I think they could, they could, a five or six team, they could, I think they could compete for some things. Same. Can't doubt them. Uh, the, the championship merit, you can't buy that. Uh, six for me was Sacramento. They were your four. Um, surprise year for them last season. Young, well coached. They played with a really good pace. I think they had the number one pace in the league, I believe. Uh, offensive rating, I might be getting less confused, but it was I know they're number one offensive rating or pace, but they 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 got it up there. They took good open shots for the most part. Um, I think they'll still be very competitive. They'll be in the mix. They'll continue to build on this, and but yeah, I just don't think they have enough um, as far as getting into that top four. I mean, you do, I, I don't. I just think that the West and it's a it's a coin flip. They could be five, they could be four, but they. Um, they had a really good year last year. You just hope they build on it, and, and they deserve to build on it. They, they were the three seed last season. Did a tremendous job just channeling that energy and that momentum into into what they are now. They picked up JaVale McGee. Uh, obviously, Darren Fox still there with with, with Kevin Herter, um, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray. Devon Mitchell still play big minutes off the bench for him. Um, so Trey Lyles actually had a pretty influential role for them coming over in the, in the trade in 2022 from Detroit. 
So I don't know much about the younger guys or, or even the guys that they that they drafted. Uh, Jalen Slauson, number fifty four pick in last year's or in in the, the past draft, and that was kind of that was kind of it as far as draft right, pro. They they didn't um, have any first round picks, did they? No, they picked up their biggest pickup, Bogues, in my opinion, was Sasha Vizenkov. You know, the MVP of the Euroleague played at. Um, you know, played in Greece last year and, and just really good. I mean, really solid, like a Nocioni type. Yep. You know, could play three, could play four, could make shots, just tough and gritty. Loved watching them, you know, all year last year in the Euro Euroleague package. So, um, you know, they're interesting. Like, you know, can they keep it up? You know, they got a really good, you know, good unit, good group. Fox is their best player. You know, they got shot making with Herder and Murray and Harrison Barnes, and then he played with Sabonis and, you know, just sort of the way they play. Um, their second unit's decent. You know, Lyles and Vizenkov. I think, you know, JaVel McGee and mm-hmm. Alex Len will probably battle out for that backup center spot. Davian Mitchell, you know, plays hard. So it'll be interesting. Malik Monk gives him gives him a little bit of flair off the bench. Um, it'll be an interesting group. Like last year, they took some teams by storm. Obviously, teams will scout them and, and sort of adjust a little bit and see what they do. But I really like Vizenkov. I think he could really help them you know, off the bench with Malik Monk and some of the guys they have. So it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I have them pretty high, you know, again, sometimes like you punch teams in the mouth, they figure you out and then you're, you're not as good the next year, but I think they got youth. They've got a, you know, Mike Brown's a solid coach. Um, They got toughness and they've been together and they're just going to get better. I think, you know, and just sort of grind some things out. So it'll be interesting. It will be, but they'll be yeah, they'll, they'll be in the mix. That's just the way they play, the pace, well coached. Seven, I got Dallas. Uh, I think I think a full preseason with with uh, with Kyrie and and Luca, they can make a little bit of noise. I do like their acquisitions. Now, death chart on ESPN has Oliver Maxson's Prosper and Derek Lively the second starting in the four and the five. I don't know about that. I think um, you know Doncic, Irving. I think Graham Williams will start, but at the four, uh, I think mm-hmm. then your three is Josh Green or Hardaway. And I don't know about Lively, uh, a lot about those two guys, Lively and Max and Prosper. You can probably talk more about them. But I think beyond that, you've got Dwight Powell's an insurance policy because Lively is a young fella. If he doesn't fit in or he has growing pains, you can move Powell in and he's, he's a solid veteran that'll that'll fit into any lineup. And then you obviously got the outlier of Maxi Kleber. Dante Exxon, big pick up for him. I think he's going to be a real solid piece for him. The depth chart has him third in line behind Jaden Hardy. I don't know. I think Dexon could uh, – sorry, I think Dante Exxon could take some of those minutes, even at the two at times. I think he's he's very very good defensively, and I think Fever's just slowed him down. I think Fever's just, you know, he doesn't look as panicked out there. And, and albeit this is a kid that, that came in not a lot of basketball, didn't go to college, came from playing the Australian high school system, which isn't the greatest. Um, playing against you know uh, a lot of, a lot of schools out there in Canberra, and he 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 needed time to to grow and time to figure things out. And he had some injuries early in Utah. Couldn't really establish footing there. They signed him on that extension early on and then he was out of the league, but FIBA's done him wonders. You know, that, that, that I'm you know, going overseas and playing Euro league. It just seems like he's so much more poised and, and not, he doesn't get sped up anymore. Gets to his spot. So I'm looking forward to see how he fits in with this lineup, but yeah, I, li- I like Dallas. I think they'll be solid. I think, you know, there is a lot invested in those younger guys that we mentioned, but um, I think they'll be in the mix pro. Yeah, I have them. Yeah. I have at the end of the, the playing and look, it, it's just the West is really good, and that's the thing. I, and and when they made the trade for Kyrie at the, you know last year, I I thought that 
they would look good at times and they wouldn't look good at times. And you know, it's going to take an off season, a, you know, a preseason, a training camp, all that to sort of get that thing going. You know, with those two players, look, they're two high level players. And, you know, I, I have got Doncic number one in the league. I think Doncic is the best player in the league, in my opinion. And you put him with Kyrie, two guys that can make plays for other people. They could really score. They could score in different ways. Um, you know, is their supporting cast good enough to sort of carry them through the West is, is the toughest thing. Um, I like Lively, you know, Lively and Prosper. I know they get a lot of invested in those guys. But I think that, in my opinion, like Dwight Powell, you know, talent-wise, obviously individually talented, not as talented as a player that you would want at the five as far as a rim protector or a scorer. But what he gives you is, you know, to to go along with Doncic and Irving, one of the better lob threats in the league, you know, really good defender in the post, like one of the better five defenders as far as solid team defending guys in the league as far as his basketball IQ. I mean, Grant Williams is a really good pickup, you know, for them. A guy who could, you know, guy who could really shoot, could probably shoot close to 40%, if not more, you know, from the three. Toughness guy, you know, tough guy. You know, I think it's going to be good. You know, Tim Hardaway has just been a little bit inconsistent, but he's been around the block for a while. You know, their second unit is up and down. Like, Lively might start, Powell might come off the bench, who knows, the five. But, you know, look, Seth Curry and, and, and Jaden Hardy, you know, look, Curry's one of the better knockdown shooters in the league. You know, you got him coming off the bench. You got Josh Green, who could really give you some energy. Maxi Kleber is a guy that could really give – you know, give you fits. Now, Maxi could play, you know, play some five for them. You know, he, he's somebody who can guard, he could switch. Or a small um, lineup with, make open with Grant and Kleber together could work. You know, yeah. Williams, Williams can play some four or five as well. Small ball lineups, you know, your Golden States of the world, all that kind of stuff. They could throw some funky lineups out there. Yeah, and, and you got, look, Lively's good. He's a guy who could run the floor. Uh, he could rim protect. I think he's more. I think they, compared to Tyson Chandler, I think it's easy when you draft a guy that you always compare him to somebody who played, you know, at that <laughs> you team. Know, yeah. a, a, an unbelievable player that played at your position from the team. And I think it's not fair to him. T- Tyson Chandler was one of the best play, you know, best defenders I've seen in 15 years when he really had it going at a high level. And he was such a phenom coming into the league. I, I don't see Lively as a phenom like that. I see him more of a Wendell Carter type. I think he, he's a better shooter than people, you know, be, give him credit for. He's he's big. He, he seems like he's, you know, he's sort of got a high basketball IQ. He'll get it. I think he'll take his bumps, bruises early, foul trouble, and things like that. But I see him more of as like a roller. Um, not the defensive player Tyson was, but a roller a guy who could, you know roll to space and then make a corner three. And I think he could do some things. And then the prosper guy, you know, he reminded me of Deandre Hunter a little bit, you know, he's got some offensive power. They're talking about his defense and his ability to stop. I think because they lost Dorian, the, you know, Finney Smith, you know, and, and the Kyrie trade, I think that they want to compare somebody to him and he's got some, don't get me wrong. He plays hard. You know, he runs the floor. Um, I think his shooting will get better. He's a good player. And then, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll fit in. The problem is you got Hardaway, Hardy, Green, you know, Grant Williams is going to play some three. Where do you fit him in? They'll find minutes for him, you know, but where are you going to find, you know, find those minutes? And then you got Dante Exum, a guy that you could really trust, a solid player who, you know, I think he, 
the, like we talked about, like you touched on the FIBA stuff in the EuroLeague was really good for him to be just solid player now. And, you know, he doesn't have that. Like, I don't think he's got the weight of being this phenom anymore. I think he just could settle into his role. He could settle you down. He could make an open shot. He could play defense. He'd give you basketball IQ, make the extra pass, play off the ball, you know, and help you as that. And, you know, I think he'll be at the end of your rotation. And I think he'll, you know, you, you could go some, you know, some different lineups and different looks. And then you got guys like Derek Jones and Rashawn Holmes that's still right there at the end, you know, probably, you know, your third unit. So give you sort of some different looks. I think they're going to expect a lot out of Jaden Hardy, to be honest with you. I think he gave them some good looks at times, and I think he's just going to get better and bigger and stronger. And, you know, it'll be an interesting thing. But with that Kyrie and Luka lineup, man, you could throw anybody out there and they can make plays, they could throw lobs, they could score, they could make shots. They're going to be tough. The question is, is Kyrie going to get bored? And is he going to, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a coachability issue. I don't think it's a competitive thing. I think a lot of times he doesn't get in trouble, but I think he gets bored and he gets frustrated. He gets home from a flight at three in the morning. He turns on that fucking Instagram live and then all bets are off. You know, and he'll go off on tangents. And I think that's where he gets himself in the most trouble. He just has to sort of look, everyone's going to give you their two cents of what he should be doing. I don't know what the fuck he should be doing. All I know is he should just be competing, trying to be the best player he can, try to win as many games for Dallas, and then get his career back on track where. You know, look, you know, you could be more, a little bit more dependable, but he's got to play games, folks. I got, you know, his last few years, I think I got it in front of me here, like as far as like his games played, you know, 60, 29, 54, 20, you know. Well, some were during the, due to the vax mandate, obviously. Uh, The other one was where he, he went out on the. Didn't he go on the BLM excursion for a couple of months, or <laughs> where, he, where he, he, he had? He did something. No, yeah, he had leave it, from the team, and then he was doing like a BLM uh, Zoom video party thing. I, I don't know. Or he went to a party. Like there was, it's there never was a bunch, talent. There was a bunch going on. I, I agree, and I think that's why I think a see off season with Luca, they they actually you know proper training camp. I'm hoping it re- revitalizes things, and people forget not forgotten about him, but he's not up there with. KD and Steph in that talk anymore, and hopefully that pisses him off enough to get to there. And I, I think they'll be good. I think the Kyrie things and 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 Lucas staying healthy. You know, he had a really good off season. I think playing playing FIBA ball, and if he stays healthy, that those two guys are the start, medium, and end of your team. If one of those guys is hurt or half in, half half out mentally, you're in some trouble, folks. And I think that his weight fluctuates like Post Malone's does. They were both overweight. Now they're both skinny as hell. I think there's a lot to, to be said for that. The Luca and Post Malone tangent. I think you should look that up. <laughs> also, I think that with with Kyrie, it's just, you know, the guy's so good. He's so good. And he just, you know, hopefully they could put everything together because they got a lot of good assets there. And you can go forward. And I think they're going to have some cap relief, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just give me two seconds. Salary cap. No, nah, they're not going to have any fucking cap relief. They go from like 146 to 144. So they're not yeah, going to get relief for a little bit to, to add another player. So they're going to have to sort of continue to develop their guys, use their exceptions wisely going forward. But with those two guys, man, I think, you know, I think you, you're as good as they are. I just, he's got to stop. 
you know, Kyrie just has to just go through a year where not, nothing happens, man. Like no distractions and let's just go forward with that. And this will be the know, year, bro. This is, will be the year to stay out of yeah. trouble. Hopefully, right. man. New Orleans. Hopefully. I had New Orleans at eight. This is all, you know, I, I think a lot of this is on Zion and, and his health. I, I think they're a young, fun team to watch. I enjoyed them last season, even though Zion didn't play a lot of the time. I think now that he's somewhat healthy, still looks very heavy, but somewhat healthy. I think they're pretty. They're a pretty deep young team. Um, they've got a lot of good pieces. They're projecting starters: CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Herbert Jones, Zion Williamson, and Valanciunas. Uh, look, I think Valanciunas is going to be a twenty-minute player for a max. I think they're going to go small ball lineups a lot with Zion at the five, even Larry Nance Jr. at the five. They've got Cody Zeller as their third string big that can fit in there. But I think they look best with Zion at the five. Um, and I know early in his career he didn't like playing that position, but when you put him at the five, then you can circle in a, an Ingram at the four with Herb Jones, CJ, maybe throw in a, an Alvarado or a Dyson Daniels. You know, they've got Trey Murphy the third who can score at times. They've got a good mix. Um, Her- Herbert Jones, obviously, I mentioned as well. Najee Marshall had a decent season for him. So I think they'll be okay. Uh, it's going to all go pending health. And I think it's two different rosters. If, you, if you've if you got Zion healthy, I think you play a little bit differently. And then if he's not healthy with this roster, it's a different style of game. So they need to figure that out. And I thought they were – last season, I thought they were – they had two different rosters. They had a, had a roster that was – grinded out kind of a lot of pick and roll iso ball with cj mccullum in and and, and valentunas and then when you saw those two guys go out of the lineup and you had it was just pace it was just their, their bench lineup with ingram in it was just pace 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 so they got to figure out how they want to play and it's a hard thing to do when you got you know zion and valentunas and whatnot but uh I like them pushing the pace a little bit more, but unfortunately they've got two guys in their potential starting lineup that play better at a slower pace. But I have them at my eight, bro. Yeah, Bogues, I mean, you you really want to say this is – it's sort of like talking about Kyrie with Dallas. You want to say this is a year for Zion to be healthy and to play, but I, I just haven't seen any – I haven't seen any proof of it. You know, we talk about it every off season. We talk about it every training camp. This is the year. This is the year. How can you continue to bet on that? You know, and and that's the problem. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay motivated to keep the weight off once the season starts? And that's the biggest problem. They've got an interesting lineup with the scoring of McCollum and Ingram. Herbert Jones can make shots now. Trey Murphy's out ten to twelve weeks. Well, not anymore. He's probably out four to six weeks now. You know, he had that meniscus tear, um, and I think back in September. Yeah. Love Valanciunas, but you're right. I think they're going to play some small ball lineups. I think you have to play Zion at five, to be honest. You know, to be effective with that group. I don't think he shoots the ball well enough to. You know, I don't think he shoots the ball well enough, and and, and consistently can be on the perimeter like that. I think he's more of a roller, you know, post-up guy, elbow iso guy, playing in transition. Um, it's just interesting how do you sort of balance all that. Um, their second unit, you get you, you get some toughness. I don't, you know, look, they were a good team last year. They were solid. You know, the Alvarado, Daniels, Trey Murphy, you know, if when he gets healthy, Nance, you know, then you get like Cody Zeller. You got a, a decent group. But the Zion thing is just it's just hard to it's hard to factor in, right? Because he's just been hurt constantly. And that's the thing. Like, how do you 
how do you really keep going to it and being like, yeah, this, you know, he's going to be there. I mean, 24 games, 61 games, sit out the season. And then, you know, in 21, 22 and last year, 29 games, like it's just like, where, where is this, where is this evidence that he's going to sort of turn the corner and, you know, is this game going to turn the corner too? Because now I, I think for health wise, not only you got to keep the weight off, but also less stress in your legs. You can't just be a high flyer all the time or, or I think injury is going to be following him, you know, constantly. So I think he's got to really change his game, you know, a little bit, not completely, but like he's got to add a jump shot. He's got to add a mid post game. He's got to add, it can't just be finishing at the rim lobs and rolls the whole time. It's got to, you know, find the floater, find some other ways to sort of impact the game as well. So it'll be interesting, Bogues, but I, I think it's it's going to be hard for me to really turn the corner and say, yeah, you know, you know, from being a career sort of injury prone player, he's just going to turn it around. And as my, you know, as my mentor, Chris Wallace told me, you know, taught me in Boston, People, you know, always revert back to who they really are. You could be a guy who's overweight his whole career, come in in great shape, but most likely you're just going to revert back. So I, I don't, I think it's it's hard for me to say this team's going to be really good or or could really depend on him, you know, going forward, but who knows? You had them out. You had them at 11, yeah? Yeah, I had them out. I had okay. them at 11. Okay. All right, uh, nine for me, which was your four, I believe. Okay, see, this is probably our biggest disparity. I've got them at nine. I still think they're not there yet. Um, they are getting deeper and younger as we speak. Um, SGA at the point, or well, Giddy slash SGA, for some reason ESPN have uh, Giddy at the two, but uh, SGA handles more in the half court for scoring, but I think Giddy's still your point. They've got Dort at the three, Jalen Williams at the four, Chet Holmgren at the five. I'm question, questioning the Chet Holmgren at the five. He's played well so far, but some of these bigger, stronger fives, even of Zion, could put cause some problems for him. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Osmani Diang's been pretty decent for him. Mitchich, we need to see if he plays and 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 where he gets in in, in the rotation. There, he's come over from Europe. Whether he gets minutes, whether he doesn't. Um, Isaiah Joe, decent. Kaysom Wallace back up too. Uh, so Kenrick Williams played a little bit last season. Uh, Robertson Earl, another another big center for him. And where does Pokoshevsky go? I mean, uh, now that they got Chet Holmgren, now they he kind of they invested a lot in him a couple of seasons ago and tried to really blood him and play minutes. It was clear he wasn't ready, uh, but they were letting him go with his ups and downs. On these depth charts, it looks like he's completely fallen out of the rotation. But we'll have to see that. I mean, this is just an ESPN depth chart, but. Uh, yeah, you've got them at four. You're very high on them, pro. Yeah, Bogues. I think I think I had them at five, actually. At five. Second four, whatever. sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think that again, when you're talking about teams and you're talking about rankings in the league, I don't know what they're gonna do in the playoffs. Obviously, they're young, they've never been there. You know, it's really hard to say, okay, they're gonna do what have you. I think that they're young, they're not really gonna sit a lot of guys. Maybe Holmgren just just for you know just to be be safe, but they're young, they're hungry, they got talent. Um, I think Giddy's one of the stars, you know, going forward in the league. I think that to me, he he's a different look than shy, you know, that SGA is. You know, I think he's one of the best passers in the league. 
and he's got size and he really puts you in great position. You know, he, he really knows where and when to give it to players. They, he, he could elevate a lot of people's value. You know, almost Jason Kiddish when he was with New Jersey, being able to just, you know, know when, when, where and when guys are going to be. SGA's, you know, 31 and five and five and five and, Guy's one of the more talented young players in the league. They just play together. They're young. They remind me of the OKC team. Not a, They're different, but they remind me just how tough they are, not afraid of anybody, and how they play together. You know, how that OKC team with Durant and those guys early on in like, oh, you know, in, in 2010, you know, they're just young and they're not afraid. And Holmgren, look, just like Victor, if you could stay healthy, he is very scary. He is very scary. He moves like a god. He could he could go by you off the dribble. He could shoot the ball. Uh, he gives you rim protection. Um, he he's he's really scary. And you throw him with Giddy and SGA and Jalen Williams, you know. And that second unit's a little bit interesting. Uh, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, the big kid from Arkansas, he's solid. You know, um, Misich is is interesting. I, I watched him play today. You know, against the Lakers, I didn't love him. He's like stubby, but I, I watched him play. You know, in the Euro League with Shane Larkin, um, in Turkey, and like the guy's a, a warrior. You know, he could give you shooting off the bench, scoring off the bench. He's tough. He's he gives you, you know, he gives you basketball IQ and just grittiness, and, and he's a good player. Maybe they're not deep enough or have that second unit to really, you know, match up with the with the you know with the juggernauts of the league. But I do think that, you know, I think that their 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 top five is really tough to stop because they're young, they play hard, um, they gotta get a little bit more consistent shooting. You know, Giddy's not a shooter, Dort, you know, he's up and down sometimes with his shooting. You know, he's at 33% as a three-point shooter. Jalen Williams, 35. You know, Holmgren's a, a three-point threat. So I think going forward, they need to get better shooting the ball. But, you know, Gideon Alexander, their size and their ability to make plays. Dort's a, a you know, a, a great on-the-ball defender. Jalen Williams is a, a really solid, good young player. And Chet Holmgren, if he keeps on developing, could be an MVP candidate in five years from now or even less. Just the way the game's going, you know, as far as – you know those big guys that could handle the ball like guards that could shoot the ball and do do what they do. Um, I just think they're young record wise in the league, Bogues. They're just going to be young. You don't have to sit them. They're going to fight to you know to the death. They're not going to be like, ah, oh, fuck this. You know we're we're in Golden State in February, down fifteen. They're not going to give a fuck. They're going to challenge you. You know for forty eight minutes. I think they're they're a really good team. So. Um, It'll be interesting. And then a Pokchowski, yeah, I don't really see how he sort of fits in, you know, just because I just don't, you know, his game's just sort of weird. You know, he's 36% from the three, but, you know, what is he? He's really skinny. He's smart. He could pass, you know, he could play out of the short role. But, you know, I think going forward, like, you're probably going to move him for a future pick you know, going forward, because they're going to have some salary problems. They got SGA already. Giddy's going to be a max player. Holmgren's going to be a max player if he stays healthy. So, like, they're going to have some issues that they had when they, you know, when they had to trade Harden. Like, who do you keep? Who do you move on from? You know, you, you're going to have these eight, you know, these tax aprons going forward for them. But they're a very good young team. Yeah, I just think the experience thing, I still think they're a piece away, like a, a good veteran second tier star. 
Um, right. Maybe a Harrison Barnes, if, what he does for Sacramento, or maybe a little bit better than that. And I still think they're a year away from from competing for a top, you know, top six spot in my opinion. But we'll sure. that's an interesting one that you pick. We'll see see how that goes at the end of the season. My last one's a controversial one. I put the Lakers at ten. I know they got they got better, but I still think I just think it's a clunky fit. I don't, I don't know. You got D'Angelo Russell at the one, Reeves, which everyone loves at two, LeBron, Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis. My question is Anthony Davis's health, LeBron James's health. LeBron's you know pushing forty. How old is he? Is he forty yet? He's almost forty. Um, He's thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. You know, going on thirty-nine, and you know, obviously not not as good as he once was, especially at the defensive end. Does take possessions off, but he's still obviously a you know, one of the best players of all time, but he's going to play, you got, you know, you got a 38 year old going on 39. He's going to play 35 minutes a night. Still, you're still relying on that. Gabe Vincent was a good pickup for him. Brings just some toughness off the bench for them. Can knock down the open three. Hachimura has been better. I think he's shooting the three ball better. Christian Wood, you know, can you rely on him over the course of a season? Very, very inconsistent. We'll get his numbers, but I think the numbers that he gives you, he gives up at the other end. And I don't think he's the best with, you know, playing within team systems. That's what it felt like in Dallas. Cam Reddish gets a second chance or third or fourth or fifth chance in, with the Lakers. Don't know if he'll play a lot. Jackson Hayes, they brought in as, a, as another backup big and a good insurance policy if Davis does go down. Well, I think age and injuries is the big outlier for them. Um, I'm not sure how this fits on paper, whether it whether it all, it all goes together. Um, I do like the Vincent acquisition, and that's probably the only one that I, I really love. Um, I don't love the Wood acquisition. I don't think that moves the needle for him. Prince will play a little bit of minutes for him there, here and there, and the rest in their depth I don't think is going to really have their fingerprints on much wins or losses. Their starting five is a lot of big names, but I, I, I'm not sure how that all works. Bro. So I'm, I'm having them as my 10 again, and, and they were playing last season, don't forget, people, and they still made it to the second round, right? Um and was the second round or third round last season? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. They didn't so make the conference finals. Made the conference though, finals from playing. There you go. They they lost to Denver. So um, yeah, they they they. I don't think that the irregular season matters for them as much as as other teams. I think they're just that veteran team that'll we can beat anyone if we're a seven seed or a ten seed. We can get there. So I think they'll be towards the lower half of uh, of, of of the playoff run. Pro. Yeah, they're they're. They're interesting, Bogues. Obviously, with you know, if they could stay healthy, you know, James and Davis, and you know, D'Angelo Russell gives you scoring, and Reeves can give you, you know, can you continue to get better? You know, the problem is the ball can be in his hands at times, but it's going to be out of his hands at times. It's really hard to get looks, you know, in that lineup with Russell, James, and Davis in the same lineup. You know, if you're Reeves or someone else trying to get the ball on a consistent basis. I really like Jared Vanderbilt. I've been talking since they got him in the trade deadline last year. You know, I think he gives him a lot of versatility, a lot of defense, a lot of rebounding, not a lot of offense, but you know, he gives him, uh, you know, he gives him that one player that they're missing, like that that defensive presence that don't, doing the things that Davis doesn't want to do physically, banging guys and you know defensively and playing hard, you know, protecting the rim like that. I think that he gives you a lot of that. Their second unit. You know, with Gabe Vincent and Prince and Hachimura, you know, he, he can give you some things. I don't really trust Christian Wood. He's one of those radioactive guys that just you never know what you're going to get. You know, the the shack and the fool just keeps on coming when he gets the ball in his hands. Sort of like early on JaVel McGee, like you, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, Hachimura really made a big push in the playoffs. 
Uh, Torian Prince is good with just being solid. I like Gabe Vincent, but he's really not going to move the needle. Like he had a great playoff. He did really well for them, uh, but I think he's very limited of what he can do. You know, he can make shots. He's tough. I'll tell you one player, Bogues, that's going to really, I think by the end of the year, you're going to really, you're going to really be impressed by the way he plays. And I think he could outplay Prince and Vincent down the stretch or down the line. Maybe not even this year. Maybe it's next year, but a kid named Max Christie. Young kid, second year player, it was a second round pick from them uh, two drafts ago. Um, he's been playing well, averaging about ten points a game. Really long, really athletic. Could you know can shoot the ball, can guard. You know, gives you a little bit more juice than Vincent or Prince. I think obviously you could trust Vincent and Prince because they're veterans and things like that. Um, yeah, they're tough for me. Like I, I, I you like. You read ESPN, you watch ESPN, you got guys saying they're going to win the West and they're going to go to the finals. I don't see that here. You know, I see them as a good team. I see them, you know, at times they're tough to guard, you know, because of Davis, because of James, because of, you know, Russell and pick and rolls. But I, I don't know if they're that. I mean, the West is so good. You know, it's so good. And I, I mean, don't know. Maybe they do what they did in the playoffs. Year. I mean, they, they were a different team in the playoffs, you know, and they got on, they had a bit of. Had a bit of momentum in, in the regular season. It just seems like they cruise. They just cruise so much, yeah. like, and then they put themselves in a situation where they got to fight from playing. Um, but oh, credit to them, they made the conference finals. But if they play with that mentality of even you know, even though they got swept by Denver, I felt like they played Denver tough for the most part. It was it wasn't. I don't think it was a sweep. It didn't feel like a sweep. They still had to work. They worked Denver. You know that Denver had to work yeah. to get those wins. And Jokic had to hit some tough shots late in shot clocks, the one footers, and all that. So they made them work for yeah. that, that 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 sweep, even though it was a sweep. But I just think that in the regular season, man, they just kind of cruise. They just cruise through it. All right, we're ten and fifteen. We'll turn it on eventually. And they never really <laughs> turned it on. And then they became a plane. I think that's their issue. You know what? You know what they remind me of, folks. They remind me of the Kobe Shaq team when it was the end of their run, and they were just sort of coasting. You know, they just coasted. You know, Shaq was getting big. You know, he, you know, he was out of shape, but like he would play himself in shape and they would just try to get it done when they get to the playoffs. But it just goes to show you, and it's the same thing when we're trying to pick these teams like in the ranking system, like a team like Oklahoma City, I don't think they're going to do well in the playoffs when they get there, yeah. but they're going to be good in the regular season for the for like same Cleveland thing and for the, the Lakers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to be like, to me, I think the Lakers will be like seven, eight or whatever. But they they're dangerous in the playoffs because yeah. of if you can get James Davis and Russell healthy, and then guys like Reeves can make shots, Vincent could make shots, Hachimura, Vanderbilt plays hard. You know if Christian Wood's still still on the team by then, like he could help you a little bit. Like you know that you never know. You you never never know. So it's an interesting deal. I, I don't expect them to really be there at the conference finals again. I just think the West is too good. But who the fuck knows, folks. Yep. Uh, all right. The last, our last five. We'll do Minnesota briefly, just because you had them in your eight, I in your ten, I believe. Uh, people have them higher than me. I have them at eleven. I, I just can't see the Towns Go Bird dynamic working. I, I can't. The, the the Towns rumors are circling again for the Knicks. So I, I don't see them two working. You know, Go Bird's not going to play a bench role um, or or less than twenty minutes a night. You know, what do you do there, Towns? Good at the four, creates a mismatch. Not great at the four defensively because you got him chasing guys all over, all over the court. 
I think the Edwards versus Town th- Towns thing could get spicy as well. Whose team is it? I think it's clear it's going to be Edwards' team, or it already if it already isn't to those that think it already isn't. I think it's it's going to be Edwards' team long term. You always see with these young teams that that becomes a push and pull thing, and I just I just don't I don't know. I just think it they they they're, they're high with a lot of people, um, but for me, I just. I just don't. I think they're gonna to have to make more trades, but they can't do anything. You, you've you've touched on it. That go bird deal is absolute suicide for them. Making that trade, um, their depth chart. I mean, Conley's solid. I love Conley. Edwards at the two, McDaniel's at the three, Towns and Gobert. That's that's the Towns and Gobert thing. Nas Reed's a solid backup. Kyle Anderson's an okay okay backup off the bench as well. They got Nick Alexander Walker. Um, Sheikh Milton. They got Jordan McLaughlin at the backup point, but yeah, I I, I think the big problem for them is the Gobert Towns dynamic, and then on top of that, I think Edwards is an outspoken, flamboyant, happy to say, "Hey, this is my team," and I think Towns is kind of he's a talker as well. So I just I just feel like something's going to happen there, pro. I think Edwards is going to be. I think he has a chance to be all NBA third team. Yeah, I, I really, I think he's, a, I think he's the third best two guard in the league. I think he's a, fi- you know, top fifteen talent. Um, he was great with Team USA this summer, and you know, he's just been getting better and better, better than I thought he was in the draft. I do agree with you. There is some dynamics that's a little bit off um, with Towns and, and Gobert trying to play together, but um, you know, and Towns gives you a little bit offense. He gives you obviously he can stretch the floor with the shooting. Um, I just don't like the dynamic, no doubt about it. And I think there's some other teams that could probably over, you know, overdo it with those guys. But I think you're almost better I mean, off Anthony, just moving towns. Keep Gobert as your five. You've got a great rim protector and rebounder. Can play off pick and roll with with Edwards and whatnot. Move towns for something that fits your roster better, because that's not going to work together. And then and then revamp that way rather than. And you can't move Gobert really. Like you 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 said it previously. That's a very hard deal to move. You know, folks. I don't know if you can move Towns either. Like 36, 52, 56, 60, player option for 64. Mm. Fair so, point. But, but, but easier to move than go bear. And I think a team like New York that needs, you know, the problem is you got to eat Randall and something else to get it, right? But uh, yeah, man, I, I mean, I think he has more value even with a bad contract than Gobert with a bad contract. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think the lack of offense down the stretch, you know, the free throw shooting and things for Gobert really hurts. And that's the thing, you know, like for Gobert, it's unbelievable, Bogues, that, and I, you see it all the time in the NBA, he has no offense at all, no post moves, can't shoot free throws. You would think you're making $41 million. You go in the offseason. They're talking about how great Utah's player development is. The guy doesn't have a fucking post move 10 years in the league. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could praise you as a player development team if the fucking guy who's making $40 million a year can't make a fucking jump hook or can't make a face-up jump shot from seven feet. Why not hire a shooting coach in the offseason? You know, whoever the fucking shot doctor was for Utah in his 10 years should be sued for malpractice. Because the guy, I mean, it's unbelievable. The one thing keeping you off the floor is that you can't make free throws, you know, and you're shooting, you know, you're shooting that dismal from the free throw line at 64%. It was 64 last, right. and that was better year for him, but. but not the, too bad. But yeah, in the post-up thing, it's the, it's not so much a post-up thing. You can't really throw it to him. Like, 
on the perimeter. Like you, you have non-shooting bigs. Like you have a Plumlee or a Zubats. They can still make Plumlee can at least make plays, right? Zubats can go into a handoff and roll. Like you don't want even Gobert touching the ball near the three-point line. So you like to your point, yeah. late game. The only role he has is screen roll and go stand in the dunker. <laughs> it's just like yeah. So so it is tough. Yeah. Right, right. Let's move on. It's so tough. Into it too much. Uh, last last four. We're gonna do one line each. All right. So I'll go first. Houston. I think they'll be a solid bad team like Orlando last season. I think they'll 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 be well coached. They'll be a solid bad team, but they're gonna be twelve. Spurs and Utah rebuilds. Um, Utah will be well coached. They won't be any good. San Antonio, same thing, well coached. Let Wemby fly, mass minutes, let him play through stuff. 15, Portland, full rebuild. I don't think Portland win more than 20 games, bro. Give me your your thoughts on those four. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I'm not going to take too long at this at all. Just like, you know, with, with these, with the last few teams, like the Utah, the Portlands, the Houstons, the San Antonios. Look, Utah, yeah, Collins, and, the, you know, they made a couple of moves here and there. They, they did well last year. I don't think they're really, if I'm them, I'm, I'm not really trying to win all that much. I don't know what they're going to do with Collins and how they're going to do. They'll be okay. Uh, Portland rebuild. I think that, you know, I like the moves they made, you know, uh, you know, obviously they're going forward with Scoot Henderson and Simons, you know, and DeAndre Ayton. I think they're going to probably get rid of Grant. They'll probably keep Dybul. Um, They're okay, you know, for the future. You know, Robert Williams, can you stay healthy? I like some of the players they they sort of added and things, but they're really not trying to win. And then Houston, you know, Houston Elite AAU, I call them because they're a fucking AAU team. Um, I, you know, obviously with their with with the players that they that they acquired, you know, obviously with Van Vliet and you know Dylan Brooks, they'll be better. Um, I obviously our guy Wandale's the fucking best, so I'm glad they got him. Um, they'll be they'll be better. <laughs> have but some not, stories for us, so that's for sure. Oh, some stories from that well, yeah and then and then san antonio man i like look I'll, I'll use my one fucking line and you know me i don't jerk anybody off but you know especially when they're a young player but i'll tell you what that one banyanya man you know i i was gonna wait i didn't say anything in the summer league when he struggled a little bit didn't say anything good bad or indifferent but I, i'll tell you what he's got un i've never seen a player this young that had unbelievable poise like he's got like it just doesn't seem like much bothers him. He's gonna go through his ups and downs and things, but I'll tell you what, like his ability to to pass the ball, first of all, I think he's his best skill. The guy has great vision. You know, he moves like a god. Um, his shooting will get better, you know, his physical will get better, but like he's got unbelievable fucking poise and he he's unbelievable to watch. He seems like a great kid. So going forward, you know, Vassell just signed that huge deal for them. So, you know, it'll going forward will be Vassell and, and you know, Victor's team with, with Vassell and trying to move some pieces around. So they'll they'll be rebuilding. Probably they want to lose again. They'll probably shut fucking things down to try to get another fucking number one pick to put them with Victor. But they're uh they'll be an interesting team. They'll they'll try to lose it, you know. So I, I they'll probably be their second or last or last. I agree. Yep. Um, and I'm looking forward to he'll, he'll be for one of the worst teams in the league. There'll be a lot of people watching those games, which is always good to see just because of when yep. All right, moving on. Double social betting experience where you can follow anyone from your best mate all the way to me, Andrew Bogut, all one word. Give me a follow on there. Dabble app at the app store, all one word. You can copy bets, jump into the banner channel, you know, go back and forth with some other punters that have some like-minded or not so like-minded thoughts about bets. But, Download the app, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. 
NBL Pro, real quick, 2-0 weekend yep. for the Sydney Kings, beating both Brisbane and the Perth, the Red Army from over there out west. Everyone loves beating them. Brisbane go 0-2, back to reality, no Baines. They lose both their games this weekend. Perth go 0-2, which is just beautiful to watch. Everyone loves to see that outside of Perth. They lose to Melbourne and the Sydney Kings. Melbourne go 2-0. Delhi delivered over with a pretty bad concussion in the game last night. Uh, he had a took a charge. Guy went up for a layup, and as he was on the floor, a guy fell, and his knee pinned uh, Delhi's head on the floor, basically, Damn. straight down from from up high. Um, I believe that was against, was that Adelaide? I'm not sure who that was, but i um, pretty sure it might have been Adelaide. We'll double check on that. But uh, Adelaide get their win against the Illawarra Hawks. Hawks go 0-2. Um, Tasmania go down in a thriller uh, to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but they go 1-1. One and, one. and Tasmania, no more underdog talk from you. I think you're the championship favourites, in my opinion. I think they're the most... <laughs> Uh, well, poised at the, well poised at this point of the season. I'm sick of hearing the underdog tag, but they are. Um, how's that? How's my boy Scott Roth doing? Good, good. Smoking a lot of cigars, but they're they're they're, they're doing well. <laughs> they they took a tough loss. They could have won that game in Southeast Melbourne, but uh, they're the championship favourites in That's my opinion. Great. Awesome. Move, moving on from that, NBL versus NBA uh, games. They've been ugly, pro. They've been ugly. They've been, you know, 50-point losses in the first two games for the Taipans and the Breakers. Taipans just lost again by 20 or 30, I think, um, to the Raptors. Taipans were so shorthanded, they had to have Alfred Payton suit up for him, pro. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you saw that. They had some injuries and whatnot and some health issues, some sickness. But I think we're looking towards, are these games now net beneficial for the NBL? I think early on they had a really good net Net, net positive where it was an affiliation. It was a, it was, you know, you could talk NBA, NBL. I think there's now more organic talking points, NBL, NBA than the games. I think, you know, having players go over Xavier Cooks and uh, Jay Sean Tate and, and these Josh Giddy and these kind of guys, they're your talking points that have organically formed now. I don't think you need the forced NBL versus NBA stuff anymore, especially when you're going down 50 points. I don't think that's good for anyone. So I I wonder if the league is going to look at that and revamp that now, where you have you have an, a natural pathway connection in the NBA now. You don't need that that game anymore. See how that goes. Finishing on the Bane thing, pro. A lot's gone on this week. There, there was you know Aaron Baines getting five games. There was a tribunal here and whatnot. What I understand, Baines was going to take time off, regardless of the result of that suspension. He was going to take time off. Um, mental mm -hmm. health, get away from the game, you know, go take some time off and take a deep breath. That is why Brisbane did not appeal because they were going to, it was understanding there was going to be time off anyway. Brisbane want to put this as far behind them as they can. They thought if they appeal, it's just going to be more media attention, blah, 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 blah. I will still say that I think Aaron Baines getting three games for the altercation with Aaron Ford, with, 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 with Adam Ford and Ford not getting anything is wrong. So much so, I relate exactly what I heard from a source last week. People got on me about it saying, well, for, you know, Ford got off, you were wrong. Well, someone's leaked the tape from the security footage of the locker room pro, and it was exactly as I described. It was Aaron, right, Adam, I want to keep saying Aaron, Adam Ford keep, keep pacing up and down the, the, the locker room at halftime. He says he does that every game. Uh, I'm not sure. Who knows? All I know is his excuse for waiting for a stat sheet doesn't fly with me because – 
after every game, uh, after every halftime buzz, I see assistant coaches waiting for the stat sheets at the scorer's table. So I don't know about that. But you clearly see Baines coming out of a, a, their locker room to go to their meeting room. Uh, Ford then has – they're having words as they're walking by. There's clear contact, bro. Now, you give me your opinion honestly, but you know a player's fuming. You're, you're a head coach. You know he's just steamed before halftime. You're opposing coach. Uh, Ford clearly grabs Aaron Baines' arm as they walk by. Now, it could have been a gesture that he says, just trying to have a chat to him, but clearly grabs his arm. More words are said. Baines basically shoves him into a wall. Players run out because they hear the they hear the scuffle, they hear the yelling, they break it up. There's got to be something yeah. said for for Ford putting his hands on on Baines. I don't care if it's a a, a, a a hair scratch. You don't put your hands on players, especially when they're steamed. Look, opposing coach might 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 you know during a game give you a hug, you near their bench, or like hey, you know back out of a huddle or whatever, whatever, whatever. But when a player is steamed like that, it's as a head coach, it's it's a it's always a no go. You don't touch opposing team players. I don't care if you've known them since childhood, whatever, right? That has led to the altercation. NBL has put out a statement that has nothing to do with the the fact that <laughs> I think their tribunal member completely botched. Given I read that strictly Baines three games and and forward nothing. NBL statement has been. <laughs> We're disappointed in the person who leaked the tape. <laughs> so mm. just don't say anything at that point, in my opinion. So I, I, I thought that was pretty yeah. silly by the NBL. I think, you know, yeah, someone leaked the tape, but you go on at that because it's made your tribunal member, which was supposed to be a panel of three pro, the people that, that the way it works in Australia, they call it the tribunal. It goes to three, you know, generally some lawyers that have probably never played sport in their life and they adjudicate was, was your force necessary? Was the fuse you blew Aaron necessary? No, these are your suspensions. Supposed to be three. Media was invited. For I understand, th- 20 minutes, 30 minutes before it was meant to go ahead, media got booted and it ended up being a one-panel member who then has decided all this. Mm-hmm. So lots to answer for there, Pro, but give me your thoughts about putting your hands on a player that's blatantly steaming already. You think that's right? Well, Bogues, you know, I, I don't know if your your thoughts on this, but I think about eighty percent of professional coaches are not self aware at all. I think they really struggle with self awareness. And any assistant coach that's worth the shit, they know when a player is steaming, you just leave him the fuck alone. Especially it's a head coach, bro. Yeah, by the yeah. way, head coach, not assistant. Head coach. What's up? It's a head coach. No, not no, no. Assistant. I'm saying, oh. I'm saying, as a coach, you okay, know yep, yep, yep. that. Especially if a guy you don't know and is not with your team, you leave him the fuck alone. Just let it go. At best, the 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 only thing you say to him is, "Hey man, hey, don't let it bother you. I get it. You you know, don't you know, just keep going. Just give him some cliche bullshit that head coaches give you, right? <laughs> yeah. And move on. But I wouldn't even talk to the guy. I would just go, stay out of the fucking way. It's like the Incredible Hulk when you see him turning green. Get the fuck out of there, man. Like, what are you doing? And Baines is pissed, you could tell. So just leave it the fuck alone. Now you want to put hands on him or and do whatever and agitate him even more? You know? he It should have been like a fucking cartoon. He should have... You remember when you get punched in the face and you fucking, like, go outside the planet to the fucking... Out of the galaxy? It, 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 it was a sitcom waiting to happen. Just stay the fuck away. But... Yeah, I and agree. Then, and then... Not, yeah, and not to suspend the coach and suspend him. Yeah, it's a fucking well, that's a good, tough role. And, and I'll say this as well, Lat Mayan, I, I don't think he deserved a suspension. Uh he he got he didn't get ejected in the moment for the elbow. 
He got ejected after the, they checked it at halftime. They've then gone back and given him uh, a game. I don't think that that warranted a game. Look, they got in a little scuffle. He threw an elbow. That happens every almost every game in basketball. Most times the elbows don't connect right. to the face, but it did. I don't. I, I think in in a, in a normal situation where Baines doesn't have the blow a fuse and then everything else that happened after that, Mayan just gets ejected from that game and maybe maybe gets a little fine or a suspended sentence. But I think they reacted and said, "Now we'll give you a game as well, just to make it look good." I think the one they missed was lap. Mayan shouldn't have got a game. Ford should have got a game, and we all move on. But that's just everyone has a different opinion. I know people on social media that were like, "You know, Ford got off. How do you feel now?" and then the tape came out and said, oh, it wasn't, it was barely a touch. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't set you off that much. Well, it's like, like we said last week, until you get punched in the face and you're steaming, everyone reacts differently. And all these people that are saying, well, this, well, that, well, this, Aaron, Aaron Baines's reaction was not, con, you know, shouldn't be condoned and, and, and should be condemned and he didn't handle it right. And he'll, he'll tell you that. We're discussing the aftermath of a coach then pouring more fuel on the fire and that's what we saw. But um, that's all over with for Brisbane and, and hopefully they can move on and get back on the winner's track pro fact or fake news before we let you go. All right, folks, try to clear this one up. Um, okay. I got three here. I'll just, oh, maybe I'll just do two. Do you see a scenario where the Denver nuggets will, does not make the conference final? So the Denver you nuggets know, do seeing not. Seeing that they lost that those two guys in the second unit. Do you see a scenario where, they don't make the conference final. Yeah, fact, I do. Uh, based on the West being super deep, I think it's. Mm. I think it's. You know, I think they're. Are they? Are they an eighty twenty favorite in most rounds? No, I think it's. If they're a favorite in in the Clippers or Golden State, it's probably a sixty forty favorite at this point. I think the West is just so deep; it's hard to pick. And I think they'll. Mm. You know, there's all the rumors. I don't. I, look, I don't believe this stuff that. Jokic didn't work out the whole offseason. I don't believe all that. Like, I think, look, is he coming in a bit out of shape? Potentially, but I think he's he's definitely worked out. I think that's all just kind of like just a bit of banter that he's saying, oh, I haven't touched the basketball and this and that for three or four months. I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I think they'll – their home court will keep him in the mix, but I think there's every – yeah, I think fact. I think there's every opportunity they don't make the conference finals just based on how deep the, the West is. Anything can happen. And then injuries, and they're not as deep as they were last season, and Bruce Brown, I think fact, bro. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree. Um I, I just think that I, I it's fact not enough being spoken in my opinion. I, I know I touched on it and I won't touch on it, I would just sort of mention it. I don't think enough being mentioned about the losses they had in the pre, you know, in, in the summer and what they replaced those losses with. Now, those young players will get better, no doubt, with getting more minutes and more opportunity. They're going to take their bumps. But this is a small window. You know this with, the, with championship teams. It could be a small window at times. And I think that it's gonna, it, there could definitely be situations where, you know, with the Clippers and Phoenix and, you know, shoot, even, you know, Golden State and Sacramento and even the Lakers. And you have Memphis pretty high, you know, if, if you know, if they can get, if they can get past not having, you know, not having Morant in their, their lineup, it, it'll be, it'll be an interesting deal. Agree. Okay. Do you see a situation where Jokic wins the MVP this year? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't, I'm going to say Jokic does not. So, uh, what is that? Fake news, I guess. Fake, fake Jokic news. Does not, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. does not win it. I just think it's 
fatigued and played out now. Uh, I think there'll be, I think Luca's going to, like I said last season, I think Luca will be in the mix if he stays healthy. If he plays more than 65 games, Luca will pr- most likely be the MVP, in my opinion, if he's out there on the court healthy. Embiid will still be in the mix. Um, Kawhi Leonard, sneak, sneaky, probably not. They've got too much talent for, for someone having inflated stats on their team. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say he won't. I'll say he won't. I think it's just going to fizzle out. And I, I think they will. I, I just don't. I, I think they. It's not the the Dallas Mavericks when they won that chip and then kind of just fizzled out and haven't had a whole lot of success since then. But I don't think Denver will go that extreme with it, but I don't think it's going to be an easy bounce back to the conference finals and finals for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with the Jokic deal. I think it's, you know, I don't I don't see him being, you know, the MVP. It's okay. Look, I, I'm not a big MVP fan. Like, oh, this guy's a definite MVP player. I, I just think that the talent's really good. There's, you know, you're going to have, I think Giannis will probably take a step up this year. You know, I think, you know, Embiid will probably be chasing it again for back-to-back. You know, you never know what's going to happen with Luka. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be an interesting deal with the whole MVP deal. And and I think that, you know, there'll be some voters that don't want to vote him in just from what happened during the season and, you know, and, and keep him out of the the mix of getting three out of the, what, the last four years. So, I, well, I think, think if your uh, if your OKC pick rings true, I think SGA has a chance. Uh, if if your OKP, yeah. OKC pick, if, you, if they're, if they're f- four, five, six, yeah. I think he's got a huge mm-hmm. chance. He almost led the league in scoring. He would be a smoky for some betters out there that want to want to get someone who's probably down, down the line there if, if they have a good season. But if they if they're in, in you know nine like me, like I I picked, I don't think so. But he's he's a guy they could potentially sneak in there. You start last one. You're starting a uh, you're starting a team tomorrow. You have a chance, salary cap wise. It doesn't matter, no cap, and you have a chance to get Josh Giddy or Trey Young. So you would take Josh Giddy over Trey Young starting a team tomorrow as a point you know for your point guard going forward. Fact or fake news? I'll go fact. I'm biased because it's Australian, but no, I think I think if you're starting a team fresh. I would rather have the bigger six eight guard that doesn't shoot it as well, but can grow into that, than an undersized scorer. I think Josh, you can play. I think you can play multiple positions at times um, off the ball. If you've got a shooting guard like SGA, you can play him at the two and three. It's not really the two and three, but off the ball because he he's you know he's not a great shooter yet from three, but he he knows the game so well, can cut off the ball, and he's actually a pretty good offensive rebounder for his position and his size. I don't know what his numbers say in the NBA, but I know in FIBA boy he's getting some offensive rebounds. So I would I would my bias leans towards that way. I know people love Trey Young and he can score and he can get your forty or fifty. I think Josh is, is a different beast where he's not going to get your forty or fifty, but he's going to be a consistent, you know, fifteen, eight and eight guy. When you start a team scratch and you get a really good point guard that can run your stuff, I think your pieces are easier to put around rather than getting an undersized guard that now you have to hide at the defensive end. Not saying Josh is a great defender yet, but I think Trey's a very poor defender. You got to kind of scheme around and build your roster around, and then all of a sudden, if if, if Trey's your starting point guard, what, what you can't really get a traditional point guard, then you get a two that is okay playing off the ball. I think it just creates a, a lot more issues for your roster. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I, I think it's a well, fact. I think Giddy it would definitely be my pick over Young. Just I love Giddy's play just because of his size and his passing. Um, you could he could post up. He can get to the free throw line. Now you know he shot seventy percent from the line, like seventy three. 
the shooting will get better. He's got shipping one there. Chipping was the best shooting coach in the league. So I think he will get better. It's just all the intangibles, I think, going forward, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna they you know, I, I feel as though they're gonna sign him long term, you know, and in some instances, you know, depending on, you know, salary cap, I, I think that he might have a a longer future in Oklahoma City than maybe SGA would, you know, because SGA salary and you never know what they're going to have to do. And he's still under his rookie deal. I just really like the intangibles he brings to the position. I think he play in the open court. He could play you in the half court. You know, he's got a great floater. He could finish that shooting. You know, he just has to become an average three-point shooter. If he can get up to 36, 37%, you know, and, and plus the ability to finish and do what he can do, he'll get better defensively. You know, some of the things that he does, he just has to get better with. He plays a lot of Greco room and wrestling when guys drive him, gets him some foul issues. Just got to be able to, like, show hands and play with his chest a little bit with that. But I love him. I think he's the future's bright for him. Um, much better than I thought he would be coming in the draft process. Just being able to see him, you know, th- through two NBA seasons, through the FIBA stuff, I think going forward he's going to be a star. Uh, yeah, I didn't think he'd be this star, good this so. quick. I didn't think he'd be this good this quick. Yeah. So I, he's he's – far surpassed where I think he'd be at in this point in his career. So continue to Agreed. You know, keep watching him. By the way, is that your new webcam pro? It is. It, it is, is, folks. I, I, I fucking fucked with you a little bit for, you know, the lack of pay the last few years with this thing. You sent me a, a fucking unbelievable fucking camera, unbelievable fucking mic that um, I need about $400 in cables to hook the fucking thing up. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll look like Joe you. Rogan with a- We'll send it. It's twelve ninety nine pro, thirty ninety nine. I know you're doing it, but yeah, I'm just going to say the camera, this new camera really brings out your features even better than the other one. So I, I really like it. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, you know, I, I'm really going for the obese look instead of the morbidly obese. And I think that this camera really shows that bed, that that bedside for me. So the sparkling your uh, eyes. I appreciate is that. So sparkling your eyes is yeah. immense with that camera. All right, we'll see you next week, Pro. Appreciate it, and uh, let us know your thoughts on our predictions. I know we've got some wild ones, so we appreciate everyone supporting the podcast. Share it around. We'll see you all next week. See you guys. Thank you.